0: Welcome to Polymathic Being, a place to explore counterintuitive insights across multiple domains. These essays take common topics and explore them from different perspectives and disciplines, and in doing so, come up with unique insights and solutions. The con of text, the loss of physical communication in an increasingly digital world. Today's topic probes the trend of so much of our communications moving from voice to text. We'll look at the patterns, the psychology of data ingestion, common pitfalls of text communications, and recommend some key opportunities to avoid the con of text and ensure true context. We are imperfect humans using imprecise language to communicate incomplete ideas. The recent boom in remote and hybrid work really highlighted that when we remove the rich context on in-person communications, We lose the signals, inflections, and intentions that can be more readily transmitted. It forces a more nuanced approach to our work environments and requires a lot of additional attention. Yet, paradoxically, we also see a burgeoning of anti-voice communications with online memes like, before you call me, always ask yourself, is this textable? And if it is, you text. And if you don't, I will cut you. When we resort to text, we reduce a significant amount of context. We are often distracted with other information. We lose meaning. We respond quickly, and we fail to recognize both the human in us as well as the human on the other screen. The intentional separation of our communications into highly misinterpretable bits has been linked to the high rise in teen and young adult anxiety, depression, and suicide. It's not well adapted to how our brains are coded to interpret the world around us. Our brain has two job duties. Number one, make sense of the world around us. And number two, be computationally efficient. To balance these two requirements, our brains apply over 200 listed cognitive biases in four groupings. How to handle a lack of meaning, too much information, the need to act fast, and knowing what to remember. Humans do well with small amounts of good information. However, the more data with less meaning, the more biases are applied for sensemaking, which leads to conceptualizations of the world that tend towards edge cases, not the center. I deal with these edge cases daily while working in AI design as we apply cognitive science to mathematical computations. The more assumptions or heuristics that are applied to an algorithm, the faster it moves towards the edges of the data. The same goes for human interpretation of our text-based communications. A great example is Twitter. It provides too much information, in short bits without enough meaning, and drives the need to act fast to trend. Fundamentally, this is the issue with text-based communications. It often triggers stacked biases especially when the information might challenge existing biases on emotionally charged topics. These stacked biases are often manifest in interpretation. That is, how my words sound when you read them is a majority function of what's in your head. Once my words leave my head and enter the text, I can only hope that my tone and tenor convey the right meaning. This is why I use textual analysis tools in these essays, such as Grammarly, to see if my tone is optimistic, pessimistic, open, playful, closed, etc. Yet I can only control it so much. This is why I like recording voiceovers. If you've ever wondered how these essays sound to me, I recommend you listen to me read them. And if you're hearing these words, I thank you for listening. This highlights why it is so important to be highly cognizant of the voice in which you read things, especially on challenging or contentious topics. COVID became a great case study in communication as social media was infested with debates and arguments about the virus, the protocols, and then Black Lives Matter and the election. Let's just say that was a year when the problems with text-based communications became clear, especially since so many people didn't engage face-to-face anymore with the lockdowns. After one engagement on Facebook, a friend reached out in Messenger and provided feedback regarding a discussion where, among other things, they stated, It's not what you said, but how you said it. To which I responded, Also, remember the written word is read in the mind of the reader, not the author. So how I said something in text is how you read it, not always how I wrote it. What emerged was that, if you agreed with my positions, I sounded rational and composed. If you disagreed, I sounded foolish and unhinged. At one point, in late 2020, I was out in person with a group that contained both types of people. We were engaging in a similar discussion topic to what we had online, and the conversation was so much better. In fact, one of the people that often disagreed with me made the insightful comment, you sound so much more reasonable and thoughtful in person. To which I responded, the way I talked just now is how I always sound in my head when I type. How do I sound in your head when you read it? Their response, I'd never considered that. I applied these insights recently to a disagreement two co-workers were having. Each was complaining about the other's rudeness, unprofessionalism, and tone in IMs and emails. Curious to explore my ideas about how we read each other's words, I asked them to do two things based on a specific email thread. First, I had them read their emails to the other in the tone they intended. Then, I had them read the other's response in the tone they interpreted. I recorded them and exchanged recordings. The result was fascinating. At first, there was indignation in how they were interpreted. Then there was the recognition of what they had recorded, and then the resignation of what had really happened. I brought them back together and then shared a mix of both of their interpretations, which sounded nasty and spiteful, and then I shared the mix of both of their intentions, and they sounded kind and reasonable. It was a really interesting experiment, because it didn't have nearly as much to do with what they said, but how each interpreted them as saying. Again, How you read the other person say it in text is more often actually in your brain and may not reflect their intent. One time, I had a leader who absolutely refused to accept there could be a different interpretation than what they had. They did not have the good faith to even consider the two-way street of communication. For example, on voice calls, they were clearly multitasking or not open to discussion. They grossly misinterpreted feedback from others, and upon correction, doubled down. They stated that instant messages were intrusive. The entire team was told that emails over three lines would not be read. But with every truncation, they lost context, and lost context opened up misinterpretation. And in-person wasn't much better, as I was told asking for the why was disruptive. While we have a textbook recipe for what not to do as a leader, the most interesting aspect was enlisting the help of my wife to craft responses. I'd literally have her read the communications and phrase a response that I, personally, wouldn't have thought of. The result? The feedback was that my tone was still a problem or some other negative interpretation. It literally wasn't even something I said, nor ever how I'd say it and it was still interpreted as such. I even enlisted the help of others to coach my in-person and voice comms. It just highlighted that when a person is set to an interpretation, it's really hard to shift it. These problems also emerge with the most innocuous exchanges between two very good friends with zero negativity. This Facebook exchange is a great example. Person 1, and somehow you got stuck working the camera rather than the shovel. (laughs) Ha ha. Me. I paused to get a drink, take a photo, and get back at it. We ended up hauling about eight yards of soil out. Person one. Understood. Still had to call you out. I know your work ethic. Me. I didn't mean to make it sound so serious. Person one. It wasn't. Just making sure I didn't come off as too serious. The lack of tone and text sucks. Person one continues. Conversation sucks when you can't inflect your voice, raise a drink, nod, wink, probably the subject of a future essay the loss of physical communication in an increasingly digital world. You stop being an imposing fit male that happens to be over six feet tall, but a simple joke can be misinterpreted. This exchange became the genesis of this essay. But I must remind the audience that my vocal inflection on person one is still my interpretation. So what do we do about it? Fundamentally, an adage that I found so true on so many interpersonal topics comes to bear. You expect from others what you expect from yourself. Whose voice is that in your head? First off, it's your voice. Second, if it sounds mean, look inside first. Strip off as much of your layered biases as you can. Try to put it in context. It's like that great statement from the Bible's New Testament. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? Between these two ideas, much of our communication issues can be resolved by focusing on ourselves first. There's an old marriage adage that says, if there's two ways to interpret something and one of them offends you, assume it's the other, because it really is just a voice in our head 99% of the time. Another aspect is to turn towards more voice communications or a blend in between. Try to use the same words and phrases in both settings. I like to reference text-based communications in my verbal engagement in the tone I intended, especially if they could be or were misinterpreted. For example, like I said in the email, I do think it's a great idea and I'm wondering if we've done XYZ analysis to confirm. This last example was one I had where someone complained that I was criticizing the idea because I had asked whether we'd done the analysis. I don't know what the tone they heard was but I was able to place my tone on the question in a meeting the next day, and it resulted in a much better conversation. I also recommend that you keep a consistent tone between all communication mediums to maintain a common profile. This has proven useful for me where coworkers have been able to provide correction to a misinterpretation from others. We've all heard the, that doesn't sound like something this person would say. A last recommendation is built on a similar function I use in person and I've learned to use in text. As the Facebook conversation above captured, I'm a six and a half foot, 220 pound athletic former army ranger with a booming voice, a polymathic breadth, and a gregarious personality. A mentor of mine once recommended that I caveat statements with qualifiers such as, I'm really passionate about this, but I don't know a better way to say this. Or, this is a tough subject and I don't have a polished response. So work with me as I try to articulate it or I'm not sure I understand your question. Here's what I think you said. And here's my answer. Or I'm speaking frankly here, or I worry that this might be interpreted wrong. So let me specify my intent. I have found that these work well, both in person and in text in allowing the reader to reframe their interpretation. It still doesn't allow you to fully control the interpretation. I've still had two people walk away from the exact same conversation with completely different interpretations. A last thought is the use of smiley face emojis. These can be a mixed bag, but they can add a playful aspect to the communications. I find they work best if you use the happy ones and use them to make fun of yourself, not others. This isn't a silver bullet, but it is part of the whole awareness of the situation. In conclusion text-based communication loses context. The increased push towards more texting and away from voice communication is a problem in my mind as it inevitably leads to misinterpretation. But an understanding of the problems and an application of the solutions do make things a lot better, specifically if you recognize the interpretation is in your head. It is possible to have highly productive conversations in text, and it requires both sides to assume positive intention. Should you find yourself at odds with another person, look inward first, and then try not to take offense, while gently explaining your intent to the other. Remember, sometimes it's best just to pick up the phone, apologize for the situation, and try to clarify. And it is also best to answer the phone and listen in return. This was a major lesson my wife and I learned as we tripped over all of these challenges over 3.5 years while dating and early marriage when I was in the army and we were on separate continents. The key was recognizing we were in it together and had positive intent. We are imperfect humans using imprecise language to communicate incomplete ideas. Grace, humbleness, and forgiveness in all dimensions is crucial to weaving successful communication. As we kick off today, I want to celebrate the continued growth of polymathic being. Thanks for being here. I also have an ask. Please follow, like, and share. Follow us on your podcast players and on polymathicbeing.substack.com. Click the like button or submit reviews so others can find us. And please share these essays and recordings with others so that we can continue to grow together. Thanks for listening to Polymathic Being. We'd love for you to subscribe on Substack at polymathicbeing.substack.com where you can read, comment, and share these essays.